I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, friends, and welcome back for season three of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own personal and professional future. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern. You can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year. It comes out on February 7th, and you can pre-order it right now, everywhere books are sold, or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more information. Go ahead, I'll wait. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passions. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hi, everybody. On today's Quit Your Day Job, we have a guru of reinvention. Pamela Redmond is the New York Times bestselling author of more than 20 books of fiction and nonfiction, including How Not to Act Old, 30 Things Every Woman Should Have and Should Know, and Younger, the novel that's the basis for Darren Starr's hit TV show starring the amazing Sutton Foster. She's also the co-founder and CEO of Nameberry, the world's largest baby name website with 7 million monthly visitors. She published her first novel, launched her first web business, got divorced, moved from New Jersey to LA, and changed her name from Pamela Redmond Satron all after the age of 50. The mother of three and grandmother of one, you can find her on PamelaRedmond.com. Can't wait for you to listen to this one. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. I am so excited to have on Quit Your Day Job today, Pamela Redmond, author, Nameberry CEO, like it's just extraordinary person uh, whose bio you will have heard before I started this call because I'm going to record it later. So <laughs> you'll get like the proper short version, but actually I feel like Pamela sort of defies description in her career because she's done so many things and she has reinvented herself a load of time. So I am so excited to chat with you and learn more about your life and your job. I, I'm so excited to be here. So we are both in the UK right now, which is like pretty exciting. I rarely get to do podcasts on the same time zone as me. And I got a chance to meet Pamela in person the other week, which was like so fabulous. We had drinks on top of a roof somewhere beautiful. It was a really nice night. And uh, we are going to dig into a whole bunch of stuff, but we are going to start first with a fun little round of this or that. Have you ever played this or that? No, but I, I like the sound of it. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to pick which one of the two things you prefer and why. Okay. 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 So the first one is your twenties or your forties. Oh, my forties. Oh, do I have to say why? Well, you don't have to. You can just leave it. You can leave (laughs) us hanging if you want. My forties, I 
was much more together than I was in my twenties. <laughs> Doesn't everyone say they're forty? I mean, I would say so. Although I'm barely, I'm newly into it, but so far so good. I would say <laughs> that's um, true. That's true. But you know? so, I mean, it's work. It's working for me. I think. All right, amazing. Okay, so do you prefer the book or the screen adaptation? Well, I have to say the book. I mean. But, uh, but, you know, I would say um, if I hadn't written the book of Younger, or are we talking just in general? In general, but it could be Younger specific. Oh, in general. Gee, that really depends. I think Mm. sometimes the adaptation is better. I I thought you were asking about Younger, and I kind of like them equally. I feel like they're different. Um, But uh, I love the TV version, so... So good. Um, in a nod to the fact that you're based in LA, but you're currently in London, uh, mm. do you prefer a breakfast smoothie or afternoon tea? Ooh, I guess I would go for afternoon tea, sort of when I'm ready to unhook after working. You know, I like to get up and work right away. So, but by four or five in the afternoon, I'm ready to to kick it. Afternoon tea with like a little little whiskey in there sometimes. That's pretty good. <laughs> definitely. All right. Are you a city person or a suburb person? Oh, definitely city. Amazing. And then finally, this is not a this or that, but just a question um, because I went deep into Nameberry, Pamela, in preparation <laughs> for this podcast. So if you were having boy-girl twins right now, oh. what would you name them? Oh my God. Eliza. I love the Sweet. name Eliza. And boy, I mean, I have to say Joe, even though that's my son's name, or does this have to be like for my fourth and fifth children? No, they could, you could, I mean, also some people name their kids the same name, so that's fine too. Yeah. That's pretty oh, let's cute. say Linus and Eliza. <gasps> oh, how cute. Oh, you should almost do that maybe. Just <laughs> yeah, you have to, you have to murder me first. <laughs> Oh, well, good job on the this or that questions. Just a little warm up as we get into the meat of this discussion. So, I mean, I I think you are really this kind of quintessential career changer. So why don't you start, Pam, by telling everybody your story? Ooh, well, it's kind of a long story, I guess. I always wanted to be a fiction writer and I moved to New York after college at the University of Wisconsin, and I became a waitress and started writing short stories and sending them to the New Yorker and collecting rejection slips. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had this very unrealistic idea that, you know, any minute I would sell a short story to the New Yorker and then my life would be, or my career at least, would be easy from then on, which was, you know, kind of part of why I didn't pick my 20s. Right. Then I started working. I got a job at a trade newspaper. And then through a New York accident, I went to work at Glamour magazine as a fashion editor, which was just absolutely crazy. But (laughs) that's kind of the way careers work, right? right? And I was still writing fiction at that time. But you know, working at Glamour really opened the door for me to do a lot of magazine work. And this right. was in the 80s and the 90s when, when magazines were just, you know, there were millions of them. Everybody read them. They were, they were the best. I miss yeah, those days. They were the best. Exactly. And you can make a living writing, just writing for magazines, you know, for better or worse. Yeah. At the same time, Linda Rosencrantz and I in the late 80s started writing baby naming books. And that is based on a childhood passion of mine and my partner, Linda, as well. 
And our first book, Beyond Jennifer and Jason, sold like two million copies. And it was just crazy. But it was, you know, the world truly was ready for the next generation of baby naming books. And so by that time, I had a kid of my own. I left Glamour. I was working at home, writing magazine articles, writing nonfiction books, and really wanting to write a novel, but just never quite finding the time or the energy or the confidence, you know, Mm. and the longer I didn't do it, the harder it became or the scarier it became. So it wasn't until my youngest of three children started kindergarten or full-time school that I guess I felt like I could sort of take the time to do something that I wasn't necessarily getting paid for, Mm -hmm. um, i.e. fiction writing. I took a fiction writing class at uh, the university. uh, We were living in Berkeley, in UC Berkeley Extension, uh, with Ann Packer, who wrote Dive from Colossus Pier. And, you know, it was really like my whole life started again at that point, because, or my career started again, because, you know, I was finally doing what I always wanted to do. And it was thrilling, baffling, overwhelming. Um, You know, I was also still writing for magazines. I was also still doing books. But I finally did publish my first novel right around my 50th birthday. It's amazing. And then when I was 55, you know, the internet had happened, kind of rendering baby naming books obsolete. And Linda and I built a baby naming website, Nameberry, with uh, Hugh Hunter, our tech side partner. So, you know, at that point, I had a career as a fiction writer and a Nameberry, you know, entrepreneur. And uh, the television show happened 10 years after that. Wow. So, and at that point, I was getting a divorce and I I moved to LA. I felt like, you know, if I was ever going to write for TV and movies, that was the moment. And so the door had opened a little bit and I walked through it. So what was your involvement like in the TV show and kind of adapting the book for for screen? And what was that process like seeing your baby being turned into something different? (laughs) Yeah, those are big questions. You know, Darren Starr, who made Sex in the City and who's just, you know, one of the most respected and revered producers in television, um, is the person who eventually made Younger. And, you know, Darren writes his own shows. He always writes his own mm-hmm. shows. The first time I went to the writer's room, I was kind of astonished to see him sitting at the head of the table, as he does every single day. So he is, you know, in the writer's room right. all the time. So, um, you know, it's not unusual, or I would say it's actually would be very unusual for an author to get a lot of involvement in the show, unless they had written a best-selling book mm-hmm. and there was some kind of auction for the rights and they were able to negotiate that. Okay. So um, Darren was always very nice to me, inviting me to set. You know, I knew the writers socially, and but I was not, you know, giving ideas about yeah. the show. And there are rights issues that I think you know, very correctly, television show creators are very conscious of because I own the rights to, for instance, the characters in the book. But if Darren created some new characters, I don't own the rights to those characters. So, And then you took Younger and you wrote Older, right? So that, and that was after (laughs) the TV show came out. Is that right? Yes. And I, um, I actually called Darren and asked him if I could, because he changed a few of the names from Uh the book. 
And I said, you know, can I can I use your names? Because at that point, people were much more familiar with the character Liza than. Right. And he said, well, I think it'd be really confusing for people if you didn't. <laughs> but I, you know, Charles, who's the older age appropriate um, mm-hmm. guy, was uh, Darren's character. And, you know, writing a sequel, that was really difficult because a lot of the show was about this triangle, you know, who was she going to choose, Team right. Josh or Team Charles? And so what I ended up doing was a kind of meta plot where Liza, the character, has written a Romana Clef about her life as a <laughs> pretend 20-something-year-old, and it's called Younger. Right. And Kelsey Ooh, is there. very meta. <laughs> very meta. And uh, so, the set, so Josh is in it, because Josh is mine. Right. But there was uh, the actor who's playing her boss on the show becomes the older guy. So that was how I dealt with that. Right. Oh, how clever. <laughs> it was, Yes. <laughs> So you, you know, you made this huge life pivot in your 50s. You moved to the West Coast, you changed your career, you went through a divorce, I know. You know, I think a lot of people, I did a survey actually at the end of last season asking people like, what jobs do you want me to profile and quit your day job? Oh, wow. And most of them came back and were like, we just want people who have changed changed their life. Like, we want to know that story. And you've now had some time kind of in this phase of your life. You know, what how do you reflect back on that period of kind of making your pivot? Like, how do you think back on it now? Well, I, you know, I, because making the career pivot and the um, locale pivot of moving to LA, getting a lot more involved in writing television and movie scripts happened at the same time that I was getting divorced. Mm. So in some ways, you know, that beginning of that is very much taken up with the divorce, but I think you know, I think for a lot of women who are thinking about making a big change in their lives, sometimes, you know, the relationship or lack of one is part of that or right. the kids leaving, you know, I, I mean, for all of us, no matter what our situation, I think for women, it's often a package deal. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for me to say, you know, I moved to LA, I was uh, single, I knew only a couple of people. I had to make a whole new cast of friends. Mm. Um, But I was also getting used to being a single person, you know, being far away from my old friends. You know, it was, uh, it was a big change. So it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. You did it all at once. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I did a story once on change for good housekeeping, I think. And an expert I interviewed said, you know, contrary to some advice, it's really better to change everything at once. So, you know, they have that thing where they assign stress points to okay. changes, right? Have you seen that? No, but I'm I'm liking this because that <laughs> tends to be my approach to things. Not the like, oh, just change one thing at a time. Yeah, just let's just like lob it all on and then deal with it after. <laughs> right, right. Once you're like at once you've stripped your skin off, you might as well just you exactly. Know. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So you have your fiction career and you're still writing. You've got three books in the pipeline, I know, for yeah. Zippy Books, which is how we met and is very yeah. exciting. And then you still have Nameberry and you're working on that. How do you kind of balance having a portfolio career that involves you doing different things at different times? Well, it's interesting being in London right now versus L.A. because New York tends to be the center of, um, you know, business uh, in in my case and also editorial life. Mm -hmm. So things kind of work on New York Times. So when I'm in L.A., um, I get up in the morning at 630 or 7 and I start working right away. Right, because awake. Yes. And I don't really write fiction until the afternoon when, you know, I'm not going to be interrupted because I like to. Oh, that's clever. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, I really need this very private creative space, Mm -hmm. you know, virtual space, I mean. But in London, it's the opposite. So in London, I've kind of been working on my fiction earlier in the day. And then at night, people I work with in the U.S. are just you know, they're just doing stuff and asking questions. So I kind of like this better. Yeah. I, I really like it too, actually, now that I do a lot of stuff in the U.S. I find my mornings just like a lot more relaxed and then things pick up sort of around two o'clock in the afternoon here, which is not great for my poor children who like haven't seen me all day. And then they come home and I'm like, sorry guys, I'm on meetings, but it does mean I exercise in the morning now, which is good. It means I do it in the day, which is like not, uh, not always, doesn't always happen, but I totally take that point about having that kind of quiet space and quiet just also means like no emails coming in, pinging, reminding you of stuff you have to do, right? Like I know. And it's really hard to, you know, people use that, you know, apps like freedom and stuff mm-hmm. to turn off. And that just, I'm just more distracted if I know they're there and I'm not seeing them. But I, one thing I do for productivity is the Pomodoro method. Okay. We tell me. talked about this. It's named after a timer that is, looks like a tomato and you set a timer for 25 minutes. Okay. And you do like for 25 minutes, you're only going to do this one task, whatever it is. I mean, for me, it's usually if I'm having trouble settling down and starting to write fiction, it's like for 25 minutes, I'm going to work on my book. Okay. And at the end of 25 minutes, you have to stop for five minutes and get up and go whatever right. or with your email. But then you start, you do it again. So you do it in like groups of four, but you can do it any way you want. But that helps me to just tell myself it's time to focus on this one task. How has your writing process changed the more novels you've written? Mm. You know, it's, this is maybe not very <laughs> encouraging to other people, <laughs> But I would say it's gotten a lot harder for me because, yeah, I mean, I think that my, you know, I think my standards for myself have gone up because the first novel, you know, after all those years of not doing it, I just felt like I just want to finish. That was my goal the first time. I just want to get to the end. So, you know, now I feel like I want to write a great novel. You know, I want to write a novel that sells a lot of copies that people are going to really love to read. You know, I think it, I, I think it helps to kind of 
understand what it is you're trying to do with your book, like how you want people to feel, Mm -hmm. what you want the book to be, almost more than planning out the book itself. Because someone I know who did branding would start by asking people what's on the billboard, you know, for their idea for a company. So you have a big idea of what do you want this book to be? Mm -hmm. You know, do you want it to be a bestseller? then you have to write a book that deserves to be a bestseller. I mean, it's really that. And so I think my intentions for myself have gotten more ambitious and I do a lot more rewriting. You know, I do, I use a lot of different techniques. I Mm -hmm. like kind of gamifying the whole thing. And so I have different plot methods I use and, you know, and I change them up. I do different ones all the time. And sometimes I'm just reading something online and I find a new method. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this. And actually I'm in a group of um, writers and we're all like met much published novelists and we're always trading tips. Like, oh, that's hey, cool. This- yeah, it's fun. I mean, like there's this book called, you know, story synopsis or whatever it's called. And we'll all like read it and talk about, you know, what's really smart and applicable. I'm reading one now called, I think I should look it up. It's something like never be finished. Oh, uh, refuse to be done. Yes. I have that one too. Yeah. (laughs) Did you like it? It's good. I did like it. I'm like, uh, I'll like read the first three chapters and they'll be like, okay, right. I've got to now go back to writing. (laughs) I never sit down and finish the whole thing. I have refused to be done with that book because I have yet to (laughs) what's happened. But it's cool that you like trying different methods. I feel like I talk to a lot of writers who kind of have the one thing they do and they've always done it and they stick to it and they don't do anything Mm. different. And that can work too, but I certainly am a person who likes variety. So it, it definitely resonates with me that you'd like to try different things as you go along. And maybe I'm trying to write a different kind of book now, I think. You know, I think that I understand in a different way what makes something, you know, a mid-list book versus a bestseller. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that I'm much more thinking about kind of bigger themes, writing about something bigger than just this character and this character together in this little world. Right. You know, at least trying. And so that's why I say it's a lot harder because, you know... If you're writing about, you know, matriarchal society and, um, you know, trying to make these big, you know, trying to show the world in a very big way, that's a lot harder to do. Right. (laughs) And do you feel like that's what makes a bestseller? Like, is that in the bestseller? Well, definitely not always. Mm. Definitely not always. But I think, yes, sometimes I think it's some richness of, of writing and of story and some, you know, big kind of universal canvas that... Obviously, a bestseller means you sell a lot of copies and selling a lot of copies in books is often about, you know, it's kind of an old thing, but word of mouth. And Mm -hmm. why do you tell a friend to read a book? You know, it's like, oh, my God, I'm reading the most incredible book, right? Can't put it down. It's true. It's true. So, you know, are people going to feel that way about your book? It's that's, you know, a scary question, but I think that's the question I'm asking myself. Do you feel like, because you do think and talk, which is refreshing about like the commercial element of writing books, because of course, I think we all want to be like very pure about what we're doing in our craft and that's Mm -hmm. great. But like, also this is an industry and it's a business and you've had a ton of success with your naming books. You've had a book made into a television show. Did the books that 
really kind of hit those commercial targets for you? Or those are the ones you thought were going to be the ones that sold the best? Super interesting question. They weren't necessarily, well, in the case of the name books, yes, but sort of name books are in a different class than novels, you know. Um, In the case of Younger, it didn't sell much more than any of the other books, but with Younger, I knew right away that it was a very high concept idea that was going to appeal to a lot of people like me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it spoke to me because I didn't want to go back and start my career as an assistant, but I, at that point, was starting to write novels. And, you know, there was this deep wish in that idea, like, geez, I wish I had gotten it together when I was 25 to do this, mm-hmm. and that I wasn't, you know, standing at the bottom of the mountain looking up at 50. Right. It's not like you can't climb it, but it's a lot harder than when, or it seems harder. Yeah. Although I guess you have so much more life experience and like perspective and things that you can bring to writing, which you wouldn't have when you were 25. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So in the 90s, I pulled this out of the web. You made <laughs> oh you God. made a list. You made a list of the 30 things every woman should have and should know by the time she's 30. And this ended up as a book that was published by Glamour. So I went through the your original piece, the original <laughs> list. It included things like you should have a set of screwdrivers, a cordless drill, and a black lace bra. I feel like I have two two of the three of those and I'm <laughs> 40, so <laughs> I still have some work to do. You should know that you can't change the length of your legs, the width of your hips, or the nature of your parents. That one I think I've gotten. Do you, if you were making that list now, if you were writing it for 30-year-olds now, would it be different than what you wrote then? For 30-year-olds, you know, I'm super proud of that list. I think it's... It's uh, brilliant. (laughs) Thank you. I had a brilliant editor too at Glamour. And, but I wrote, uh, I started that column, The Glamour List, and wrote it for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. So I did those every month. Wow. And yeah, and, you know, a lot of them, I don't know, were they as good as, or, you know, a lot of them were as good as that one, kind of back to the question. Mm-hmm. I think some of them were better. Why did that one just right. you know, take off? I don't know. But that one had a crazy, crazy life. Yes. Would your advice be the same for 30 years? Oh, would my advice be no. the same? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't ever look at that and think, because Glamour changed it a little bit mm-hmm. when the book came out. And over time, people have rewritten it. And I never think it's better. Right. You know, I, And I never think, oh, I should have said this or that. I don't know. I don't think so. I highly recommend the whole list for anybody who's listening. It's not difficult to find on the web and it's really so, so good. Whether you are 30 or 40 or 50 or 20 and you're just trying to prepare (laughs) for your next decade, that's also good. So tell us what you're working on right now. Okay. You know, I I have a new three book deal from Zippy Books that I'm super excited about. (laughs) And the first book is called The Matriarch. And it's a book about a woman who... Is an entrepreneur, lives on a big oceanfront estate in Montecito with her three sons and their families, and they all run the company together. And then her oldest son goes missing. And, you know, it just throws her life and the life of the whole family into chaos. And are you enjoying that? Oh, the writing process. Yes, yes, super enjoying it. But I've been working on this book for. I mean, I've been working on it really diligently for about three years at this point. And so I'm 
really ready to be done. <laughs> to move on. Yeah, yeah. But I love I love it. You know, I, I've always loved the book and I'm having a lot of fun writing it. Do you go back and read your old novels like oh, stuff God, you wrote no. years and years ago? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> when I when I went through and read recorded the audiobook for my what if year, I had not read the book in like six or seven months. And I was like, okay, all right, we're doing this again. It's kind of like you put it to bed and then you're like, all right, I'm I'm done now. I'm moving on. Yes. But everyone else is just kind of coming to it. So that yeah. is uh, that is fun. Well, I can't wait to read The Matriarch. And Pam, this has been an amazing chat. I always like to finish off by asking for some advice. So what advice would you have for our listeners who are thinking about a reinvention or a major pivot in their own careers mm. or in their lives? I guess my advice would be to just start doing it. You know, it's it's there comes a point where you know, to pivot, you have to pivot. It's it's a verb. Not so. so just just jump in one, you know, bird by bird, <laughs> as Anne Lamott's book said. And I still have to tell myself that, but I wish I wish I'd really gotten that earlier. That's awesome. That one I already see on like a card somewhere. Um, Pamela, <laughs> this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to chat. I love this. Oh, Alicia, thank you. This was lovely. Thanks so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zibby Audio production, and we want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to pre-order my What If Year, sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com, and find me on Instagram, at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to find news about my wild upcoming book tour, future podcasts, and of course, memes about Gilmore Girls and coffee. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too.